Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, October 16th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Some less than stellar news when it comes to the COVID-19 treatment remdesivir. And Boris Johnson is expected to throw Brexit talks into crisis today by issuing the ultimate threat. Plus, American suburbanites helped Donald Trump win the 2016 presidential election. But how is the incumbent faring four years later? I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The Gilead Sciences drug remdesivir seemed like, at one point, a really solid bet for treating COVID-19. But a new trial from the World Health Organization has put the brakes on that idea. The WHO's trial tested remdesivir and three other potential drugs on more than 11,000 hospitalized patients. The FT saw a copy of the study, and the WHO found remdesivir does little to prevent coronavirus deaths. It also didn't really affect how long a patient stayed at the hospital. This is the highly anticipated solidarity trial, but we should point out that the study hasn't been peer-reviewed yet. It comes as France and the UK implement new coronavirus restrictions. Plus, case counts are up in Europe and in the US. US and European stocks fell on Thursday with signs that the spread of the virus is picking up pace. Now, on top of dealing with the virus, the EU and the UK are also juggling Brexit talks. And things could take a sour turn. Boris Johnson is expected to threaten the EU with a no-deal ultimatum today. The UK Prime Minister's chief negotiator, David Frost, said he was disappointed with the European Council meeting. And there's a feeling that Brussels is dragging its feet because it wants the UK to make more concessions. But talks could continue even if Mr. Johnson does make a no-deal threat. The transition period ends on January 1st, and Downing Street wouldn't say whether the Prime Minister would pull out of the talks entirely. The American suburbs are increasingly important to U.S. presidential elections. Just look at Pennsylvania. For decades, the state reliably voted Democratic, from Bill Clinton to Barack Obama. That changed in 2016 when the state went for Donald Trump. But he won it by a small margin, about 44,000 votes. The key to close races like that in 2020 is swaying the suburban vote, especially when it comes to suburban women. Back with me now, as he is every Friday during the election, is our Washington Bureau Chief, Dimitri Sevastopolo. Hey, Dimitri. Hey, Mark. How are you? I'm all right. Dimitri, why have the suburbs become such an important focus to presidential campaigns? Well, I think the first reason is that the suburbs are growing in terms of the number of voters. You have you know, a big number of cities that have seen a lot of growth in recent years, and so there are just more voters to vote. Back in 2016, Trump won a lot of the working-class white men in states like Ohio and Pennsylvania and the Rust Belt, and that got a lot of focus. But he also won an overall majority of white women uh, because of very strong support from Republican women. So that's another reason why it's very important. And finally, in the suburbs, Democrats are now very energized, all ages, all backgrounds and races, and Republican women are more uncomfortable with Trump. So that all adds up to the, the suburbs being a really important potentially the most important kind of segment of the election this year. Yeah, Dimitri, I want to get more into the actual makeup of the suburbs versus the perceived makeup of the suburbs in just a minute. But first, you know, why Republican women in particular? 
Well, I think it's a number of factors, Mark. I mean, first of all, Donald Trump's overall approach is quite vulgar. And I think increasingly Republican women are souring on that. Ditto his racist rhetoric and his attempts to sow division in the country uh, has not gone down well. Certainly his handling of the COVID pandemic and the economic fallout is taking a really big toll on women. And that's something that women are paying very close attention to how Donald Trump handles all of this. Frankly, his own handling of his own COVID-19 experience when he was the way he handled his hospitalization and the way he came out of hospital when he came down with the virus went down very badly. And I think that was all after, you know, his first very aggressive performance in the first presidential debate in Ohio, which also didn't go down well with women in general. So it's a combination of all those factors. So, Dimitri, we mentioned Pennsylvania earlier. People will be looking at the Philadelphia suburbs in particular. Where else does the suburban women vote come into play? Well, I think it's important in really important swing states. So, for example, Phoenix, Arizona, real battleground. Houston, Texas. Houston is now the fourth largest city in America, and the suburbs there are critical for Donald Trump. North Carolina, a state where Donald Trump was doing very well, but he now lags Joe Biden. Charlotte is a very important city there, and the suburbs there are also in place. So there's a lot of kind of big cities with growing suburbs where there's increasing discontent at Donald Trump in the key swing states. Yeah, and and, and how is Donald Trump approaching suburban women? I I have to assume that a lot of factors from over the summer are, are playing in. What he has done is, after the police killing of George Floyd earlier this summer and the anti-racism protests that that sparked, you know, among those protests, there were some episodes of violence. It was, you know, a very small number, but they're the ones that tend to get attention on television. Donald Trump has tried to use those images to persuade Republican women in the suburbs that the suburbs are under threat. So earlier this week, uh, in Pennsylvania, he said to the a big crowd, you know, can I ask you to do me a favor? So can I ask you to do me a favor? Suburban women, will you please like me? And then he started talking about how some of his advisors have told him that, you know, suburban women, Republican women may not like the way he talks about law and order. Uh, and Trump said, but why don't you understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about your safety. But I'm about law and order. I'm about having you safe. I'm about having your suburban communities. I, I don't want to build low-income housing next to your house, okay, if that's okay. And I end- low-income housing, which is a code word for I'm going to stop and non-whites from moving into your neighborhood. Right. And so he's really trying to pitch that message. Um, he did it also in the Republican convention at the end of August, and he's doing it again now. And the question really is, is it working? Yeah, because, I mean, the suburbs aren't the white flight suburbs of the 1950s where white Americans fled the city to to create their, you know, Levitt towns in, in Long Island, New York. The, this, the suburbs are, are markedly different in 2020. They are. I mean, I was talking recently to the mayor of Dayton, Ohio, a Democratic woman called Nan Whaley. And she said to me that Donald Trump's biggest mistake is assuming that the suburbs are the suburbs of Richard Nixon's America. She said the suburbs are no longer these you kind of lily white parts of America. You know, now they are multiracial and in some cities you now have majority minority neighborhoods. Uh, a really good example is Houston. Houston is the fourth biggest city in the country. It's in Harris County, which is the third largest county in the country. 
And this week they started early voting. And you've had huge numbers of people in Harris County coming out to vote, showing the power of the suburbs and how they will have an impact. And in Harris County, the ethnic breakdown of the population has changed dramatically over the last 10 or 20 years. And you now have neighborhoods where you you have huge numbers of Latinos, African-Americans, lesser numbers of Asians, but the whites in some places are now in in a total minority. So there's been an incredible change in the demographics of America. And that has been reflected very, very significantly in the composition of the suburbs themselves. What is Joe Biden doing at this moment to appeal to the suburbs and suburban women? Well, I think he's doing a few things. The first thing is he's focusing like a laser on the message that Trump is a disaster when it comes to handling the pandemic and the economic fallout. And, you know, the Biden campaign knows that COVID is a huge campaign issue. And so he's being laser focused on that. He's talking a lot about how Trump is fanning the flames of racism, sowing division, and how he would try and unify the country and how everyone is an American regardless of whether they are Republican, Democratic, or Independent. So he's pushing an anti-racism message. He's trying to you know, unite the Democratic Party and unite Americans more generally. So I think he's pushing back hard on the law and order message. But at the same time, he's telling voters that just because he supports the protesters who are protesting peacefully in the wake of George Floyd's killing, that doesn't mean he supports violent protests. And so he's pushed back hard and said, I support protesters. You have a right to protest in America, but you don't have a right to be violent. And I think that is his rebuttal to Donald Trump. And, you know, whether that works or not, the answer will come on November 3rd. Well, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, Dimitri, for November 3rd, less than three weeks away now. Dimitri Sevastopolo is our Washington bureau chief. Thanks, Dimitri. Thank you, Mark. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. We had help from Gavin Coleman, Michael Bruning, and Amy Keene. Our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.